Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Thanksgiving. It was a great holiday, wasn't it, Ray? Mm-hmm. It was. And every year, you can count on Thanksgiving to be here, year in and year out, every November, coming to a holiday season near you. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know, where, where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash TheGoldCast. You can also follow us at Twitter at TheGoldCast underscore. You can also follow us on Instagram at TheGoldCast. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same name, TheGoldCast. Follow Subscribe, leave reviews, leave comments. We love hearing from you. We love reviews. To If you like what you hear, be sure to leave a review to push us up in the rankings so we can get the word out to more people, more fanatical fans such as us and you, and be a part. If you don't do it, then I assume you're racist. <laughs> Raymond will assume racism if you don't do it. All right, here we go. Uh, obviously, biggest story of the day, CJ, Bethard, 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 Bethard was injured and final minute, minute and a half of Seahawks at 49ers ends with Jimmy G coming into the game. We're going to talk about it and what we think it means for next week and where we're going to go. We're going to talk about it right here after the music. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! Here we are. San Francisco Bay Area. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because like us, you're a diehard San Francisco homer. Seven championship appearances in all three major sports in the last seven years. One of the greatest decades in San Francisco Bay Area sports history. All right here. Giants dynasty added to the 49ers dynasty. And now we might be on the cusp of a Warriors dynasty. It's all happening right now. Welcome to the gold cast raymond how are you by the way did you have a good holiday it was awesome i committed to every carb that was available at thanksgiving and uh it felt good in the moment not so good now but that's all right that's what the gym's for i i 100 agree I'm, I'm on the exact same tip so ray i'm not sure if you're aware but the uh the 49ers played a little football game today against they the did. seattle seahawks and we had the same result as we did with the uh, nine other contests, um, save for one this year. So now, final score, 24 to 13, but we all know that that's really not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about that final minute and a half when CJB, CJB went down and Jimmy Garoppolo had to come into the game for his first uh, taking his first snaps with the first team in a real game as the San Francisco 49er. Uh, garbage time, you know, it, it was it was fancy, you know, nice little nice little nice little pass between three defenders for to to score a touchdown. Um, it was a really good pass, by the way. It was a really All, good I mean, 
even though it was a very small, like literally two pass attempts, one rushing attempt, it was a very small sample size for Jimmy G. But uh, from what we did get to see, it was uh, it was pretty sharp. So now here's the question, Ray. Does does he get his shot? Will he be starting next week? Already Kyle Shanahan said he has not committed to uh, who's going to be the starting quarterback next week. Do you do we finally see Jimmy G next week? Um, I think there's a pretty strong chance. I thought that if we lost today, then Jimmy would play the remaining five games, or at least be, or at least be highly considered to play the remaining five games. And I thought if we won, then that would probably, you know, push CJ into another start. But that didn't happen. He even got, and it wasn't even that he played bad, and you know, he had really incredibly terrible circumstances that he was playing with that he's been playing with this entire time. And you know, it eventually caught up to him. You know, you get hit that many times because of your really shitty offensive line. Eventually you're going to get hurt and he did get hurt and he's going to have an MRI tomorrow. And that I think will kind of help dictate how the week goes. And if the MRI is depending on the severity of the MRI, MRI, you know, if it's, if it's negative, then, you know, he's got nothing to worry about. You know, I think that then I think it'll be kind of up to the coach's decision. But if it's, you know, worse than that, then anything other than negative, then, you know, we'll see Jimmy G for five games, which is a good sample size. That's a great sample size. It's almost a third of a season. It is a good sample size. Let me tell you what I'm worried about. Okay. I mean, how many plays can Jimmy possibly really know with that offense at this point? 30? 40? I mean, how many do you think he realistically Your guess knows? is your guess is as good as mine. I mean, he's been, excuse me, earlier, I misspoke earlier. Five games would be more than a fourth of the season. Um, it is almost a third, actually, too, though. But still, anyways, um, his, uh, your guess would be as good as mine. I honestly don't know. He's been there for five weeks. So, and everyone's learning abilities are different. So uh, we can only guess, you know, he's, uh, he has the whole book. Here's the thing. Uh, an, an interesting detail to make note of. It, he's obviously not ready. I don't think he's ready at all. And one of the big tells of that is he still has the playbook cheat sheet on his forearm, on his left forearm. If a quarterback has that, that means that he's still learning the playbook and he needs a point of reference because he doesn't have every, everything memorized down packed. And that's natural because playbooks are very complicated. It is like learning another language. And in Kyle Shanahan's case, it's probably a very in-depth, complicated system. So I'm not surprised about that. But if you, if anybody was curious as to how to get some kind of inkling as to how ready or sure somebody is with familiar they are with the playbook, look on their non-throwing arm to see if they have a playbook cheat sheet on their forearm. And Jimmy G had that. So he's... He's clearly not ready. Yeah, so that's that's my only concern, that and that offensive line. Like, I know everyone's chomping at the bit to see Jimmy G. I, you know, I think a lot of people believe that, you know, I think erroneously that, you know, having this, you know, this seasoned backup quarterback come in and start is going to just turn things around. Hey, uh, newsflash, it's not. But my concern is, A, I mean, how well does he know that system now? B, that offensive line. The last thing I wanted to do is see him go out there and get pummeled. You know what I mean? Especially if this guy is as good as we possibly think he is. My concern more than anything is the risk of injury. And I know it sounds horrible. It's like, oh, better that CJ Beathard gets beat up than he does. I'm not saying that, but I am saying he's possibly a very valuable commodity. And this team, we just don't have the proper pieces around him to necessarily protect him at the level that we should or that we want to want to get to. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I feel the exact same way. And it's not it's not a malicious thought like, oh, I yeah, exactly. I don't want CJ to get hurt either. But there was a significant, you know, a second round draft pick was traded to get Jimmy G versus trading up to get a third round draft D in CJ Beathard. So clearly, even from that context, Jimmy G is worth more, you know, and, you know, not to sound shallow, but that's this is a business and things are gauged that part, you know, that contracts, you know, the, the, the way contracts are trade value contracts, all that stuff. That's how you kind of gauge the value of a player. And, you know, the, the more significant that trade value or contract value is, is the, the more important that asset, if we want to use, you know, kind of that kind of term is important to the team. And in this case, Jimmy G is considered a very, you know, highly valued asset to the team. And he's he's also happens to be in the most important position. So it's I don't think it's something they should rush, but they won't have a choice if CJ is injured because they don't have anybody else. Yeah, that was kind of strange how that played out. Right when it happened, I thought, uh oh. And actually, it's funny because you know we were talking on on the family thread, and one of our fa- family members accurately predicted that that was exactly what was going to happen today, which was super weird. That was a, that was a prediction in our Forty Nine er family thread was that CJ would go down and Jimmy G would come in. Um, Niners didn't, they didn't cover. That was also part of his prediction. But still, it was a real trip. Right when I saw him go down, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, what's this mean? And then, of course, I knew Jimmy G was coming out. And yeah, tiny sample size, really not a lot to go on. Um, But again, like you said, here's another way to break it down to kind of yes and what what you were just saying in terms of like value. Jimmy G comes from a proven system with the New England Patriots, a proven system of success. He's had he's sat behind for the past three years Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Given that experience, his level of value is higher. CJ is a rookie from Iowa, you know, so th- he doesn't have the same. He doesn't come from the same pedigree. Therefore, even though. Even though Jimmy G is not perhaps as tested, you know, he hasn't had as many starts as CJ has, he comes from a pro system, whereas CJ is coming from a college system, and he comes from the most successful pro system that exists in the current NFL climate. And I think all of that puts his value at a higher level, and I think that's why he should be protected because he is in the most important position at the moment. And like we said, this isn't trying to, not trying to throw CJ at all. I, I actually love CJ Beathard. I, I, I feel like every week he goes out there and he busts his ass to try and get this team to something. You know, I, I really do. I really appreciate the fight and heart that he is. And he's not a bad quarterback. He makes rookie mistakes here and there, but he's not bad at all. And I enjoy watching him. I don't have an issue with him. Do you have an issue with CJ? Do you look at him and go, God, I'm over this guy? No, I think if I was, you know, an irrational fan who didn't understand the sport and was, you know, eager to see the Niners get back to prominence, then sure, I'd be mad every time they lose or every time he does a mistake. But uh, I kind of see the game at a deeper level because I really like to break down tape. I really like to analyze and understand a position because it's interesting to me, especially the quarterback position because it's the most coveted position and it's you know it's it's where it's how the offense is facilitated. You know, that's the the nucleus of how everything you know, can garner success. Uh, although, you know, it, 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 but it, but it also involves 10 other players all working in harmony to make this facilitation happen. And so to me, it's, it's, uh, I, I like CJ. I think he's got 
really he's really calm in the pocket despite everything that's being thrown at him. You know, I do think that it's it's he's only going to get better with time because as he gets better, you know, the game will slow down. We see that he can play well when he's given pass protection when the running game's going well. And that's really any quarterback in the NFL, although, you know, the great ones will obviously stand you know, far above and beyond the the rest of the, the you know, from from basically the top five, the top five will stand out and the top 10 will stand a, a little bit too. But then like from position 11 all the way to 32, you know, it's, it's pretty average. So, you know, the fact that he can play that well when the circumstances are good is very promising for his future, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, whether that's with the 49ers or some other team or, you know, whether he ride the bench for a few years, it's still good. It's, it's a good sign because he's, he can throw the ball well when he, when he, when he has time and he makes pretty good decisions, you know, it's just little things like there was a play when he overthrew Marquise Goodwin, when Marquise Goodwin had basically had a post route, it was third and short, and they were going to do a bomb to Marquise Goodwin. So Seattle anticipated this because they know they've seen that on tape before, where it's third and last week it was third and eight. We threw a bomb to Goodwin, and you know he got a touchdown off of that. We've done that before, and so they anticipated this, so they put a safety over the top. Now, when that happens, Marquise Goodwin has one, uh, you know, a decision to make: either he can try to test that safety. And try to continue to go his route, or he and, he and he already had the cornerback that was on him that was pretty much toe to toe with him. So if he says, "All right, the corner's got me covered pretty well, step for step, and I have a safety over the top," so it means it's double coverage if CJ decides to throw this play. So he has to make a split second decision to change the route in the event that this happens. Which is this is by design, by the way. This is not like I'm going to just improv. This is by design. So. Now that there's a safety over the top, and he's got really tight coverage going into the post route, he's got double coverage when that ball goes into the air to, to finish that route. So what he does is he alters the play, does a button hook comebacker. So he stops really quick, turns around, and comes back for the ball. CJ misses this read. He doesn't see that there's a safety over the top and the t- coverage is tight. He basically sees tight coverage and things like, okay, well, Marquise Goodwin can win that foot race. I'm just going to test it again like like we have before because Marquise Goodwin wins that battle you know, nine times out of ten because he's one of the fastest players in the NFL. However, what he needed to do was see the safety over the top to anticipate the change in the play. This is mid-play audible. You know, this isn't like pre-snap audible. This is mid-play audible that's happening here. He misses that read and then decides to throw the ball anyways. Luckily, it was overthrown to where the safety couldn't get it. And then the play ended up being an incomplete pass. But that's where something where I know we talked to some people on the text that, you know, were, were ragging on him and ripping him for that. And I was like, this is a typical rookie mistake. You know, he's he's already running for his life. So his he's already disrupted from all of the hits and the pocket breakdowns that are happening up to this point. So he's already kind of joggled now throw into the fact that he's a rookie quarterback and this is like he only has less than a handful of starts under his belt to begin with. And you you're, you're going to be susceptible to mistakes like this. That was a very minor mistake, by the way. It wasn't terrible. It didn't result in a pick six or anything like that, though it could have and, and under different circumstances, but it didn't. However, that's something that's a very small and minuscule where it's like, oh, that's a rookie mistake because any other quarterback, if that was like Tom Brady or someone or Drew Brees, they would have seen safety over the top. They would know the play would then change to the button hook and then they would throw the ball shorter and then come back. But CJ didn't miss that read. Goodwin did exactly what he was supposed to do in that position. He was right. And then CJ missed. And that's 
that's typical. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't criticize him too harshly for that. I would just say it's a rookie mistake, and he's also under heavy heavy duress and probably anticipating that the pocket's going to break down, you know, within the first two to three seconds. So he doesn't have a lot of time, you know. And the, football's a fast sport as it is, you know, the, the way that plays are designed to to uh, to pan out. So coupled, you know, now throwing throwing a wrench where it breaks down even faster. You know, you, he doesn't have a Dan Marino like release. So I think, in, in other words, give the kid a break. <laughs> give the kid a break. Ray, that's why you're the greatest fanalist in the game. I love that. That was awesome. I love that breakdown. That was great. That was, I learned a lot. That, that was pretty killer. So I guess we're going to have to wait one more day. If you were a betting man, though, let's, let's, let's bet Jimmy G or CJB this Sunday. What's, what's your bet? Where, where are you going to put your money on? Gosh, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Jimmy G. I mean, I know CJ walked off on his own accord, and that's just him kind of like saying, like, "Hey, look, man, I've I've handled all of I've handled everything up to this point, and I'm just kind of you know, CJ came out of college with part of his his uh, profile, his scouting report was that he was tough, and he you know he did take hits, he did deal with a couple injuries in college, but he also you know was a kid that would take licks and take licks and just keep on coming. So that was a reflection of that part of his personality, his ability to, to kind of take the hits and keep standing up and keep going. But I, I don't know. I think uh, my, my gut wants to kind of lean towards Jimmy G just because at first I thought he got benched. Then I read my bleacher report notifications and said, oh, he got hurt. And then he's going to get an MRI on Monday. So we know it's like significant. And if it's significant enough to have it checked out like that, then, you know, I don't think, you know, the knee's not anything to mess around. I mean, he was down for a little bit. Everyone was on their knees. You know, it was kind of a little bit of a tense moment. The crowd was very, I thought, uh, very classless, the way that they were cheering at the fact that he was injured because they knew that that meant that Jimmy G would come in. It's like, grow the fuck up, fans. I'm sorry. I That kind of actually pissed me off because I was like, you know, 49 fans are better than that. If you're going to sit and have, you know, decadent food and champagne for your uh, – your uh, tailgate party before a Niner game, then show that same type of, you know, class, class act, you know, during the game when somebody gets injured, especially if he's on our side and he's a quarterback, you know, come on. So, but uh, anyway, to answer your question, long story short, uh, I say Jimmy G starts. If I was a betting man, I would say Jimmy G too. I think they're going to use this as an opportunity to see what he has. So I'm with you. Goldcast says Jimmy G will start this Sunday. Uh, we're going to find out. The MRI tomorrow will show us a lot. But CJB, we hope you're okay. We hope if it is, if you are injured, it's a speedy recovery because you're a badass and we like you. All right, Ray, moving on to the playoff picture. It is finally really starting to come into focus. Man, the NFC is so tight. It's insane. I know it's ridiculous. Um, you know, there's basically only like two teams. KC is basically falling off the map. They can't seem to get it together, and they're basically tanking this season right now. I'm not sure if they're going to bounce back. It'd be nice to see them bounce back, but I don't not sure if that's going to happen at this point. Their defense just looks very. The, the offense looks flat, and the defense can't hold teams. You know, as long as the offense continues to get three and out, so it's really between Pittsburgh and New England. But on the NFC side, you know, there's 
you know, five teams that, that are really, really good. And then like five more teams that could, you know, take up the other spots, but there's not enough room. So, you know, we can only have four division winners and two wild cards. So there's going to be two or three teams with winning records that are going to, you know, left out to dry this year. Yeah, you've got, so currently you have sitting at the top. So Rams beat uh, New Orleans today. That was, that was pretty impressive. I was kind of hoping they would lose, but they won. Um, you've got Rams at the top, uh, New or- the Saints at the top, Vikings at the top, and then Philly. Philly looks crazy good. Like, cr- just crazy good. 10-1? and one? Jeez. What are your thoughts on Philly? Philly's just an incredibly well-balanced team. They're good on. They're good. At, they're undefeated at home. They're terrific on the road. They're undefeated against their division. They're undefeated against the conference. This is a team that's. They've won nine straight. Uh, they're just a top, you know, Dallas is out of it. Redskins are probably out of it. And the Giants have been out of it just like we are. I think we, they officially got eliminated today as did we, you know, but like I said, this is not, you know, Philadelphia is the team to beat in the NFC, in my opinion, though. I think Minnesota Viking is right there, right there in a very strong second. And then third and fourth, I would put, you know, a two way tie between New Orleans and Los Angeles, Carolina Panthers. You can't forget about them either. They are eight and three as well, though. They're, you know, they're they're a little shaky at home. They're much better on the road, kind of oddly, you know, against the conference. They're 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 OK, but uh you know, and Atlanta don't. I wouldn't sleep on Atlanta either. They've been there, and Matt Ryan's. You know, he's got that. He, he's got that. I'm not going to quit on. You know, the game isn't over till it's over. Type of prowess in his play. So don't forget about him. Atlanta's still in the hunt at seven and four. Carolina's still in the hunt at eight and three. Seahawks are still in it at seven and four. Detroit's barely in it at six and five. You know, so you have. You still have, like I said, about four four teams that are still looking into it on top of the four division leaders. So it's it's still there's still room for you know New Orleans and Carolina will be battling to the end. I still give the edge to the Saints, and then Seattle plays I think the Rams uh, next week. So that'll be an interesting game. So that'll be an important one for Seahawks and for LA as well. LA to kind of take a commanding lead in the division, or if Seattle wins, then they tie. And they have a tying record. And I think Seattle won their previous outing, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But if that is true, then let's see. Sorry, I'm going off of tangent here. You can edit this out. But, um, you know, if that's true, then Seattle would win the tiebreaker. Then that means they, even at a, if they were tied at eight and four apiece, then that means Seattle would be in first place uh, for the division, which would make things even more interesting between the NFC West and NFC South, which are pretty tight, but North and East conference divisions, you know, they seem like, you know, it's pretty much decided at this point. Minnesota is going to take the North Eagles will take the East. Here's a question for you. The AFC is to me, they're like the Eastern conference. It's basically new England and then everyone else I, do you think, do any of these teams, God, there's not many good teams in the AFC. There rarely is. But do you think there, are there any teams that can challenge New England at this moment? I mean, oh man, Pittsburgh, again, you know, defense is pretty suspect. I, I don't trust anybody in the AFC West anymore. Jacksonville just doesn't have the offensive firepower. I mean, who who can, 
who can really can anyone really generate a problem for New England, or do you think it's just a boulevard of green lights all the way back to the Super Bowl? Uh, your your best your best option is Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is top five defense in almost every category except for rushing yards. They're seventh in the league, but they're fourth in points allowed. They're fourth in yards allowed. They're third in passing yards. And here, that's the best part about this is because their run defense is seventh in the league, uh, just 97.6 yards a game, which is great. They're yielding less than 100 yards a game, but they're also yielding less than 200 yards passing. And this might be a combination of their pass rush, but also their secondary too, which is great because New England is like 80 percent pass 20 percent run and so if you want to stop tom brady you've got to a pressure him and b you've got to get you've got to have good coverage so a combination of both you can't have one or the other because eventually tom brady will be if you give tom brady time he'll pick you apart all day so i think uh i think pittsburgh's the best chance their their defense is a lot better than new england's you know by a far margin new england just beats you know outshoots everybody so and this member, this is a this is a Pittsburgh team that has a terrific offense still, you know. Yeah. And this the the defense Pittsburgh Patriots defense. The, the way you beat the Patriots is you you gotta if you if you're not gonna stop them, if you're not gonna stop Tom Brady, you gotta outshoot him, and that's a really difficult thing to do. So Pittsburgh has a really good chance of stopping New England because this the the Patriots passing defense is 31st in the NFL yards allowed they're 30th in the NFL and rushing yards they're 22nd so this is a defense that is not very good they don't give up a lot of points that's the only category where they bend 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 but they don't break on the points part so if you're going to have one category that you do decent at that would be it but Pittsburgh is far far and ahead you know, a better team on both sides of the football. So I would give Pittsburgh's our, our only hope. Help us, Pittsburgh. You're our only hope. Well, I think uh, I think the biggest variable there has been Roethlisberger because it's definitely this is the first year where it's come, become really noticeable, like the dip in his ability. Like eight, Father Time is putting his hands on Roethlisberger's shoulders and it, his time is almost up, you know. I, I, don't, I think he probably retires after this season. There's a good chance. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. He was. He was on the verge of doing it this past season. I mean, but outside of Pittsburgh, do you see anybody else that can challenge New England? No, no. If New England was in the NFC, they wouldn't even be this good right now. Not at all. Yeah. No, and I, I think the thing about Philadelphia that makes me nervous is that they're just still really untested. You know, whereas Saints have a lot of veteran leadership. Uh, Carolina was just there. You know, two years ago, uh, the Rams are still very untested. Minnesota's untested. Philly's untested. Like if Philly goes, let's say it's Philly and New England in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't trust Philadelphia to be able to beat them. Uh, Wentz versus yeah. Brady, I would not know. A, a kid that young, I think I think Belichick would just run circles around him. Yeah, he would. I mean, we right? could be, you never know. You could be surprised. I mean... But uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, second year quarterback. Hey, crazier things have happened. It's true. It wouldn't be the first time that someone's done something like that. You know, wouldn't be the first time that a you know, an upstart team has beat a veteran one. So we shall see. Now, Raymond, before we wrap, let's take a look at the Vegas odds for next week. Okay, so next week, San Francisco at Chicago. What do you think the point spread is? Who's going to win and by how many? What's Vegas saying? 
Between us and who? Chicago. Chicago Bears. Oh, geez. Gosh, Chicago. I mean, Chicago's terrible, too, but not as terrible. It's, it's like we're facing terrible teams, but it's like, oh, this team's slightly less terrible. But, I mean, they're 3-8, and eight, so they're, they're struggling mightily, too. So it's like, gosh, I would have to say... <laughs> The spread has to be between six and three points. Four and a half. Pretty good. Four and a half in favor of Chicago. Now, Ray, the question is, as it always is every week on the Goldcast, do you take that bet? This one, I'm going to say no. This is a team that I think the Niners can win. I mean, I know we're going to be, you know, they're going to be at home. So they have that advantage. But, you know, we tend to play well against Chicago for some strange reason. Their their defense is kind of middle of the road, so it's nothing to write home about. So I think the Niners got a chance to win by, like, a field goal. Ooh, so Raymond says don't take that bet. San Francisco by three. I also believe we're going to win. I also believe we're going to win every game. So maybe my opinion should never be trusted. <laughs> So, Raymond, before we sign off, why don't you let, let the people know. Let the people know. Goldcast Nation, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis one Boom. You can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3. Rudy Solis 3. Just three now. No RD. Just three. And you can still find me on Twitter at Rudy Solis 3rd. Rudy Solis 3RD. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa First, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. This is, is the Goldcast. Goldcast.